Welcome in. It's the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's David Simone, live from Nashville. Live from Nashville. He's got a beer in his hand, a cigar in the other hand. The phone pressed and a phone up to in his the ear. Other hand. Yeah, so fo- I'm, yeah. I'm got three hands working right now. That's a lot of hands. Illegal hands to the face on Dave. Uh, Illegal so, substitution, UCLA. <laughs> just so you know, we we both might have had a, a couple drinks tonight watching the game. A glorious game it was. Cincinnati knocks off UCLA, twenty six to seventeen in the Rose Bowl in a game that outside of the first quarter, Cincinnati pretty much dominated. Um, it was the Michael Warren show on offense, thirty five carries, hundred and forty one yards. All three Cincinnati touchdowns uh, also had three receptions for 29 yards. A monstrous day for Michael Warren. Desmond Ritter is your Cincinnati quarterback after uh, he didn't have a great day. But they showed life when Desmond Ritter was in the game. Some of that was handing it to Mike Warren as much as they did. Um, But he gave them a spark, especially in that second quarter. Um, actually Mike Warren, 35 carries for 141 yards. I guess I hadn't refreshed my, uh, my final stats. Still the three touchdowns, the 35 carries, I think the ninth most in UC history that I saw. And, uh, while we talk about offense, because those are where the, the flashy numbers are, this game was won by the Cincinnati defense. Most notably a guy that we have raved about in Brian Wright in his move to linebacker incredible to be able to to move from a defensive end position to move to middle linebacker like that and make the plays that he made the 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 tackle he made on Casimir Allen in the flat was unbelievable um early I think that was in the second quarter and and Allen was in a position to make a big play and Wright made an incredible tackle in space right at the end of the first half. Um, but Dave, that was awesome. It was unbelievable. I was, you know, we kind of saw a glimpse of the issues that plagued the team last year, you know, getting off to that 10 nothing deficit. And, you know, you can't help but start to think back of, well, here we go again. It's the same, same thing all over. But, I mean, they definitely responded in the second quarter, outscoring UCLA 17 and nothing. And then pretty much the whole second half was just a slugfest trading, you know, trading punts. It wasn't pretty, but it was kind of a who was going to make the first big mistake. And, you know, you can maybe question the play call, doing a play-action pass from your own 10-yard line, and UC, or UC got pressure and forced the fumble from – the true freshman quarterback that they recovered for a safety. And that was kind of, kind of the game right there. Um, seemed like UCLA just wasn't ever comfortable offensively with him in the game. And the UC defense made plays when they needed to, you know, there was there really were instances of guys running wild in the secondary or, you know, UCLA, other than Casimir Allen's one run where there was a missed tackle in the hole, 
there really wasn't any plays where you're like, man, their speed is just too much. They're getting to the outside. We can't contain them. You know, it was kind of everything we had talked about in fall camp about what this defense could be and what we hoped it could be kind of showed itself today against a team that, you know, is is probably going to struggle this year, but still has dudes. Like, they still have guys. Yeah, no so question. So for them to go on the road and get that win, it's just it's such a huge win, not just even for, like, this moment or this season, but it just kind of tells everybody that, yes, what we've been saying and what we think about the program going in the right direction is is possible. Like, yes, it could happen this year, like, taking those next steps that we've been hoping to see. One of the things I think that, that we really focused on throughout camp was the secondary being able to provide enough coverage for the defensive line and the linebackers to get pressure on the quarterback. They had three or four sacks, but even more than that, the quarterback was constantly, whether it was Wilton Spate, whether it was Dorian Thompson Robinson, <laughs> The quarterback was constantly being moved off of his spot. There was very, very few instances where whoever had the ball for UCLA had time to stand in the pocket and just make a throw. Uh, I don't. Re- yeah, they, they I, I definitely. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say I don't recall more than two or three passes by UCLA going over 20 yards. You no, only do that if your so. coverage he, is really good. Even. To your point, I know in the second half, one of the sacks, Thompson Robinson basically like sat down. Yeah. Because, you know, everything was covered up and they were starting to swallow him in. And he kind of just, you know, fell down, laid down, because I feel like he kind of knew, like, if I try to maybe extend this, there might be someone behind me that I don't see that might call, you know, cause a strip fumble or something like that. He kind of just gave up on the play and sat down on a sack. I mean, it was it was night and day from what we saw last year where quarterbacks could just sit back there and wait for a guy to get open, or if it was a more mobile quarterback, just sit back there, and if someone's not open, you take off and run. Um, you know, Spate had one run. It might have even been the run, run that he – no, it was one run that he slid down on. Yeah, for, 12, was like for 13 yards. Like 13 to 20 yards. 13. But then – you know, the one run that he got hurt on, you know, was kind of the only time that they even let the quarterback get out of the pocket. I was more concerned when, you know, Thompson Robinson went in of them just saying, let's screw it and run Casimir Allen wide or run option with, with the new, with the freshman. But they never really did that. And I, I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, but they just had good, there was good gap integrity there was good positioning even and like you talked about part of the reason why Robinson was conscious of somebody else being around was because almost every time somebody else was around he would escape he would you know turn away or get away from one guy and there's somebody else coming right at him and they did this without maybe their best pure pass rushing guy although I still think that's probably Brian Wright, and Michael Pitts, who was ejected four minutes into the game. So, Well, I mean, I know I, I keep saying it's night and day, but just the defense alignment and look and the stuff that they did, they didn't do any of that stuff last no, year. I, I mean, they came, out right, they came out right off the shoot, 
sending guys from different angles, whether it was, you know, A-gap blitzes. I mean, Malik Clemens came in on one of the first few plays right up the middle on an A-gap blitz and forced a, a throw away from Spate. That, I don't know if they did something like that all of last year. No, I, I that that's more than fair. I, I would also say um, we give a lot of credit to the players because they deserve it. But you have to give a lot of credit to Marcus Freeman, Mike Mickens, Steve Stripling, Brian Mason, everybody that's involved in that defensive staff because that was a different look defense. That was a really, really fun defense to watch play. Well, I think they just have confidence in – more confidence in the guys. You know, when you have confidence, even if there's inexperience, when you have confidence in your secondary – it just allows you to do so much more with your front seven because you're like, okay, we can do this. And if the quarterback sidesteps, you know, the initial rush, I'm not worried about some receiver just running right. blind down the middle of the field with no one within 20 yards of him. So, you know, when you have that type of confidence in, in your players, it allows you to do that type of stuff. All right, we got some uh, some questions. I, before we get to the questions, I do need to say one thing. Okay. How about Coach Fickle's nuts? That's uh, that was that the first. Can you just let me host the show? <laughs> Can you just let me host the show? First question: <laughs> Do Fickle's balls count as carry-on items, or does he have to check them as they are over forty pounds? And I ha- we had another member also wonder if he was not going to be allowed through airport security because he had balls of steel. He's strutting through that damn concourse. <laughs> the Vince McMahon strut? In every, in everybody, yes, the Vince McMahon strut with, everybody, with his nuts in everybody's face <laughs> for those two calls on the last drive, which I was for on both occasions. I mean, I'm, I'm for You're both on- of them if you get them. <laughs> no, I'm I'm for both of them, even if you don't, because that is a tone-setting yeah, type of situation that puts confidence in your players that says, we're on the road, we're two touchdown underdogs, we're winning, no one expects us to win, let's shove it up their fucking ass. Easy, Tiger, easy. Sorry, I'm fired up. That, it was just, it, that was the stuff that, you know, as a Tennessee fan, I went through three years of watching Butch Jones kick field goals on fourth and one from the three-yard line and crap like that. Like, you just, it's great to see it. It just, no, it, is. It, it, it has to just, it has to make those players feel like our coaching staff has just an unbelievable amount of confidence in us to get this done. I, I absolutely agree there because I think there is definitely something to be said for players who feel like if they put themselves in the position to win a game, that their coach is going to allow them the opportunity to do just that and not play safe and not play scared. Like there's definitely something to the mindset of, of an elite athlete, a high level athlete that knows if we get to the point where we can win the game with a minute and 50 seconds left, at their five-yard line, we're going to go try to win the game. We're not going to kick a field goal, have to play prevent defense, 
let them march down the field and just hope that they don't complete a touchdown pass. We're going to go right. up nine. And, We're going to go up nine. And really, though, when on the first fourth down call, I would have been totally fine if they would have kicked the field goal and, and, and if Cole Smith would have made it and gone up five. Yeah, I didn't. feel would have had no, time, no timeouts left, about two minutes to go. And you're like, yeah, you haven't moved the ball the entire second half. I, I mean, we were out, we were out at Top Golf, but I was watching the game. In the fourth quarter, UCLA had five yards of offense. Yeah. So, so going up five, kicking off, and saying go eighty yards or seventy-five yards or whatever it is, and score a touchdown for the win—that is, that easily was the prudent play. But I have no issue with saying it's fourth and two. You haven't stopped us in our power run game all game. We're going right. to get this. And then when we get it down to the goal line and you have 12 men on the field and we're going to about to kick a field goal, now we're going to go for it and end the game. And because, again, if you don't get it and you're still up two, they got to go 99 yards in like a minute to win the game. No, I agree. Or not I, necessarily, about 60 yards or whatever to kick a field goal to try to win the game. So I, I wouldn't have hated either call if – he kicked it both times or if he went for it both times. But I love the aggressiveness. And let's also give credit to the guy that got it done. Mike Warren was a monster. Oh, his offensive line. And, my, I mean, Mike, you know, Jared Dokes didn't play. Obviously, something was up with Taylor Boost because Mike Warren carried the ball 35 times. And when he got hurt in the fourth quarter, Charles McClellan came in for, you know, a few snaps. So, I mean, it was the Mike Warren and the five offensive linemen and three tight end show. And yeah. it's exactly what we talked about on our podcast. Run it right down David their from, from Bruin on Report Online. I did a podcast on Friday with Matt Joy from Bruin Report Online and said, Hey, I got a question. What? When did you become the publisher of the site? I don't know. I didn't know I was. Did they say I was? Yeah. They did a they, they put an article on the front page that showed up in our uh, feed that said publisher of Bearcat Journal answers questions and they put all the, the stuff that you answered and it was like the the, the lead in sentence for the article was Dave Simone publisher of BearcatJournal.com. I was like damn Dave's the publisher now he's got a lot of work I'm, I'm to coming do for, I'm coming for your job. <laughs> Yeah, no, they they must not have realized that uh, I'm I'm only a uh, contributor that allows me to not have to read every thread and tell people to act like adults. <laughs> I just I I had but, to, I, mean, I had to get that out there. But oh, no, I, yeah. we I, talked I about it. They have to run right we at UCLA. We were traveling. We were traveling all day yesterday, so I didn't even see. After I did the podcast, I didn't even see them post it or anything. So yeah, that, that's pretty funny, but. Yeah, I mean, that's what we said. If UC was going to win, it was going to be testing the UCLA defense and their inability to stop the run and to see if it was any different than it was last year. And, it, you know, it wasn't pretty. They only broke off maybe a couple, you know, 10-plus runs. There you were know, no, no real big runs, I think. No, but you know what was, I think, maybe two of the most critical runs of the night was they, you know, they had a couple first downs where they – had five yard penalties and illegal right. formation. I think two false starts on Dino Boyd. Uh, Ritter took a delay a game. There were two of those. And I don't remember which two off my head. 
that Warren gave, gained like 12 yards right yeah. after the penalty. And instead yeah, of I mean, fighting for, you know, what would, what did we talk about about last year? It was always third and eight. It was always third and seven. Like third and seven was a good third down for that team last year. And all of a sudden they're in front of the chains and it's second and four and it's third and two. Like those, they didn't have those big splashy runs outside of, I'd say the biggest run of the game was actually Ritter at the end of the first quarter. Or in the yeah, I think quarter. that might have been from a, from a few yardage standpoint, but I mean, but I know. It also, it also put them in position to be aggressive and get that field goal at the end of the first half. Right. Gained 32 mm-hmm. yards, right, as clock, the clock was ticking down. Right. I know that, you know, his yards per carry number probably dropped because of just the way that the end of the game unfolded, but I, but, you know, they flashed some stats up and Warren's yard per carry average deep into the fourth quarter was 4.8. And that's exactly where we talked about, you know, that they needed to be. He needed to be around five yards a carry in order for them to eat the clock and run more play. They run way, they ran way more plays than UCLA. They dominated the time of possession and that's what they had to do to get the win. 68 plays for UCLA. 77 plays for Cincinnati. And that's like, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of laughed, you know, when, when everybody talked about Chip Kelly wants to run 150 plays. With a with team. With Wilton Spade at quarterback? Right. With a team, like, with a no. team that's not his system, with a, you know, just, it wasn't, it, like, they're not going to run 80 plays. And. No, another area we, we need to run. address. We might we might be on this thing for an hour tonight. Another area we need to address. UCLA six of fifteen on third down. Yeah, I mean they got off the field. How the many defense, times last year did teams convert every third down? Well, it, and you know, and it was, you know, there were times where it was, and even a couple times when there were fourth downs that they, you know, you're like, oh, oh man, two. they're going to pick this third third down and they would hold them and then they should stop them on the fourth down. Yeah, I mean, UCLA wasn't going to be able to run an insane amount of plays with a, a quarterback that doesn't fit Chip's offense and then a quarterback that has never played before. You know, you're, you're running 100 plays when you got Marcus Mariota and he's been a four-year starter and he can run the offense with his eyes closed. You're not, you're not doing that with all these new players that he has with a new system and stuff like that. So I just never thought that that was a realistic thing. They, they always kept talking right. about tempo and running all these plays and, and that's all well and good, but you're just not doing that with guys that aren't confident in what they're doing. Well, you're not going to be Oregon three years in, in game one, they might no. get there. Like they dude, the speed and the talent on that team was impressive. But they're just not a team yet. Like, they're just not cohesive. They just couldn't sustain things. Uh, now, they did do a decent job stopping Cincinnati on third down. They were five, Cincinnati was 5 of 18 on third down. Uh, they kind of atoned for that by going 3 of 4 on fourth down, including, you know, the, the two plays at the end. But ultimately, he talked, Luke Fickle talks about being a, a team that's defined by the play of their offense and defensive lines. Outside of the first, what, 10 snaps on offense, that offensive line pretty much dominated UCLA. 
and the defensive line also dominated UCLA. Absolutely. I mean, you know, just we saw what we hoped we would see, and it's just such a great first game to then build off of just because, I, I mean, that defense has to just be so much confidence of we were able to do what we pretty much exactly what we set out to do. I mean, I don't really care if, if you're a division one team, you're a power five team, you're a team like UCLA. I don't really care who your personnel is for a defense as bad as they were last year to hold a team to 17 points. And really, you know, outside of one seventy-four yard run and a field goal where they had the ball on the UC about 20, 25 yard line to start their drive. And a I mean, touchdown where they started at the 13. Yeah, I mean, they did nothing. Right. So, I mean, it's such a drastic difference from what we saw last year to this year. I mean, there's such a difference. No, it was amazing. It really was. It really, really, really was. It was fun to watch. Um, God, I, that was... You know, it's funny because the offense had some of the concerns that we talked about. But like we just talked, like we just said, the defense was so incredible. Their performance was so good over sixty minutes that the offense was allowed to just run Mike Warren. Well, UCLA's DBs, I think, were as good as yeah. I thought they were. I mean, they That's there were I, a lot of plays where I thought Dez put the ball where he needed to put it, and they broke they broke up the pass. Where I don't know if other teams that UC's playing this rest of this year makes those plays. I mean, they pretty much shut down the wide receiver game um, and they, they had to resort to the, to get into the ball to the tight ends. And I thought they did a pretty good job of that. And, you know, Jason, I thought Jason Jackson in the first half had one catch down towards the goal line was pretty remarkable. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of the concerns we had, but when it's not all or nothing, it doesn't seem anymore. They were they had other options where last year they didn't. Right. You know, it was it was it was there were options for them and they had other playmakers and they had guys step up, even if it was a catch here or, or a you know a run here that gave them an opportunity to keep a drive going. It's just a different different group, different personnel group than I think they had last year. <clears throat> Big catch by Bruno LaBelle on a third down. Oh yeah, and then. Mm-hmm. And then a big catch by um, Wilson Huber. Yep. Put the ball at the 36-yard line to move it to the 20. 16-yard gain. Uh, I, you know, those were two really big, like, you know, hidden plays that aren't going to get talked about. But those were critical plays for Cincinnati being able to grind out this thing towards the end. Um, and uh, here's a good one. What players beyond Ritter and Warren showed they deserved to earn more playing time after tonight? I got a surprise one for you. Uh, I'm got, probably not great to answer this because I was watching it, but it was tough for me to like really be paying real close of attention. So go ahead. I would I would go um, Alec Pierce. I don't know if you noticed or oh, not. Oh, he had a he had, he a, had big a big hit on punt hit coverage, on punt. and there were several other times where. 
he was down there in position to make a play, but James Smith does a really good job of, of forcing fair catches. So he wasn't, you know, the, the play wasn't made. But uh, in terms of, like, a, a special teams kind of ace, and it makes sense because that's that kid is such a freak of an athlete that he would be a guy that in his freshman year could really make an impact as a gunner on the punt team. He can definitely be a good gunner because he's big enough that you can't one-on-one him as a gunner. You know, he's going to discard that guy, and then he's got the speed to get down there. So, I mean, if you're going to have to put two guys on him, if he's able to split that, he's got the speed to get down there and cover the punt. So, I mean, I could I picture him. That's kind. Of, I mean, I think that's probably going to be his role all year. Yeah. And we saw, and, you know, like, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was we saw this last year with uh, uh, Derek Forrest and Kobe Bryant. Yeah, both guys that made plays in in the special teams game and used that pro- to propel them up the roster. And I think, uh, you know, kind of as an unsung guy, I, I think we could see Alec Pierce kind of embrace that and thrive in that role. Um, does this game seal Desmond as the starting quarterback going forward? He added a spark that Hayden just doesn't seem to have. Um, I think some of that is a bit unfair because Mike Warren wasn't running like he did throughout the game when Desmond was the quarterback when Hayden was in. Um, no, I, I still think Hayden Hayden's going to play. Know, there's there's I, tape there's tape on Des now, and he had that one throw that we worried about all fall camp, and he just got lucky with it. Yeah, that was a pick six for sure. And, so, I mean, I still think there's a place for Hayden to help this team from a throwing standpoint because there you know, there's gonna be games where they're just not gonna be able to do that and he's gonna the quarterback is gonna have to make throws down the field, whether it's tight ends, receivers, running backs, whoever. But I still think that there needs to be a place for Hayden to get snaps on this team. I agree. I'm in lockstep with that. I think from here on out Des is my starter, though. Oh, I, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, yeah. the pace of the game and the tone of the game changed. But, you know, there's no reason for – I mean, I don't think there's any reason for Hayden not to play. Like, you know, Des should be the majority of the – of the get the majority of the snaps, but Hayden should still be in a threat from a, from a throwing standpoint that Des, I don't think, is just – he's not there yet. He's not – because he just hasn't done it. He's not comfortable – reading defenses and looking onto his second and third option. And he still, he stared down guys and he just, you know, he kind of got lucky a little bit that there weren't any interceptions. I agree. And really there was only one spot. The, the pick six, the potential pick six that was dropped is really the one spot where he made a bad throw. Right. In terms of a throw that could have cost them. Um, right. I thought he on third down, and some of it was pressure-related. Um, I think UC's offensive line is very much built to run block. They've got to come together as a unit pass blocking. But that's not something that's really hard to fathom when you consider the offensive line looked nothing like that last year. No. That's a group that's that's that some of them barely even know each other still. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, they've got a ways to go but, I mean, in pass but, blocking, but this and that's is, fair to say. But this is what you, but you go on the road and you get that win in the first game, and you can live with that stuff. Right. And it's a great teaching moment, and you can go. We did so many great things, but yet we still can get better, and you just you can build off that. So I mean, it just it just changes things so much for the rest of the season. Getting that win start the year on the road. Yep, I'm scrolling through. Um, biggest Bearcat win since is my question. That that was a me question. I mean, the Miami win at home, as much as we want to bag on Tuberville, that was a pretty damn big win. Yeah, I would just say the reason that I'm that I would maybe consider this bigger, and we don't know yet. Like it's an incomplete question. Is because that did that win didn't propel UC to anything. It no, I mean like, in the moment. Yeah, I mean, they whipped their butt that day. No, they did. Miami came. Miami came in, you know, on a pretty good note, and we didn't really, you know, I don't think anybody really thought UC had a shot in hell to get that win. So I mean, but yeah, this win could, you know, depending on the rest of the season, be way bigger than that. That's the only reason I, I said biggest win since the question was Pike to Benz. Obviously, the Belk Bowl is one. the the win at Virginia, the win at in DC against Virginia Tech, uh, Munchy Lego to Damon Julian is another one. But winning in the Rose Bowl to open the season against Chip Kelly, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh, absolutely. And I. I, I wanted to make this a bigger deal, and I don't know why I didn't. It, it just kind of got lost in the cracks. Luke Fickle knew Chip Kelly. Oh, yeah. Ohio State, you know, he was the, the defensive game planner for Ohio State versus Oregon. He knew the type of thing that Chip Kelly was going to try to do. They they handled them twice actually. If you really look back on it, the year UC played in the Sugar Bowl, yeah, Ohio State played Oregon in the Rose Bowl, and I mean I think wore them out. And then the same thing kind of happened in the national championship game when everyone kind of thought Oregon would run them off the field, and they just ran Zeke down their throat. And it was kind of the same thing today. So you know you can. You know, wonder what Chip's going to run because he hasn't been in college, but it, I certainly think it probably helped knowing that they had, he had some experience against him and at least had some idea of what they might do. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and I, I did ask Luke about it in the, the press conference and then again, you know, throughout the week and he kind of downplayed it, but you had a sense. You know, the way he downplayed it was we don't know if it's going to be his Philadelphia offense, you know, what he tried to do in the NFL, if it's going to be what he did at Oregon, if it's going to be a combination of the two. But I think he had a really good idea of this is the way I've prepared a team before to stop a Chip Kelly offense. And that's how we're going to plan for the week. That's how we're going to game plan for the week. And it worked. Yeah. So. I mean, it was a pretty masterful game plan to 
go on the road and only give up 17. So, you know, hopefully it's keep keep going from there. Um, anything else? No, I think, you know, I think we kind of hit on everything we need to hit on. I know that, you know, looking to next week, Miami lost at home tonight to Marshall uh, by, I think it ended up being a touchdown. They basically, from what I could tell, just looking at the stats, abandoned the run, and Gus Ragland threw the ball just all over the place, threw it for over 300 yards. But they got down early, 21-7, couldn't really stop Marshall, and was always behind by about a touchdown or so. So, I mean, if this defense is going to put pressure on the quarterback and have coverage like we saw today, if Miami's not going to be able to run the ball, it almost, you know, you would think it maybe feeds right into what UC's going to want to do, having someone try to just chuck it all around. And, you know, we're going to be riding high, and I'm sure the crowd's going to be bigger than was anticipated based off of the win today. So, you know, it it looks like, you know, UC got out of the game, seems like, without any serious injuries. So, you know, going into next week, it, it look, everything looks pretty positive. I agree. Bring on the victory bell. Ding, ding. Can't have a letdown. 13. 13 in a row. Can't have a letdown. The, this team showed a lot. The defense showed a lot and against a Miami offense that's not good. Um, let's hope that's oh, – oh, oh, I did forget. I forgot one thing. Special yes. teams. Pretty pretty tight. I mean, Not every, a flaw. No Excellent. Yeah. I mean, kick coverage, punt coverage, field goals. I mean, it was all it was all there. Uh, hold on, let me see if this is here. Punting. Five of eight punts inside the twenty for James Smith. Long of fifty-two. Yep. UCLA punt returns. The long return was nine. Four returns for eighteen yards for UCLA. That's incredible. And part of that, another thing I forgot that I wanted to get to, I blame the beer. Cincinnati controlled field possession the entire second half. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but they were starting drives at the 30-35 yard line pretty much every time at their own 30-35 yard line where UCLA was starting drives inside the 20. Pretty yeah, much the I mean, entire second half. Yeah, I the only drive UCLA started outside of the – 25 or 30 was the one drive when UC went forward on fourth down and didn't get it, where they were kind of in no man's land. Yeah. Didn't want to punt too far for a field goal. That was really the only drive that UCLA started in the second half outside of the 25, you know, after a touchback or on a, on a kickoff. But so, yeah, I mean, they, if that can be a, a key part of the game, and we've talked all summer about how they spend a lot of time on that. I mean, it, it, it proved valuable today in tonight's game. They also, do you hear that? Sorry. What? I had an ad playing on my computer that just popped into my headphones. Oh. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> um, Wiggins, really good return on the, on the uh, safety yeah, on the, kick. On the kick. After the safety, yep. Um, and Chip Kelly going for it 
on fourth and four from Cincinnati's 48, 49-yard line. I can't remember which one. They had the chance right there to take control back of field position. Mm-hmm. They could have pinned Cincinnati deep. If Cincinnati doesn't get a first down there, all of a sudden, you know, UCLA is starting at the 35-40 yard line. I think that was the biggest mistake of the game. Luke Fickle outcoached Chip Kelly. And some of that is because uh, it worked. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, if things don't work, then you're not – right. But I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, he made the right calls and his players delivered where Chip made calls and his players didn't. And that, you know – I mean, if, if like I said, if Kelly punts there, you totally change the momentum of the game because Cincinnati wasn't really moving the ball, especially in the air. And how much, you know, leeway were they going to give Mike Warren if they were backed up on the 11, 12, 13-yard line? Right. You know, they're, they're lining up to stop the run at that point so that Cincinnati doesn't get a first down and move the chains and start gaining some momentum. I just thought, I really thought that was kind of the the moment where there the, you know obviously the the sack fumble safety by Brian Wright was the play of the game. Well, oh yeah. I mean, I guess Mike Warren on fourth down twice. No, but I mean that play that, put them in position to be able to make those calls later yeah. on. So, I just don't, you know, like, you were struggling. You see, like, that, at that point in time, like you said, it started, like, four out of five drives inside their 20-yard line. And now you've got a chance to flip the field and finally pin Cincinnati back with an offense that, you know, Desmond Ritter really struggled passing the ball in the second half. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I get kind of wanting to be ballsy but I thought that was uh that was a head scratching level of putting your nuts on the table. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't disagree. All right. We've gone 40 minutes. Uh, I think we pretty much covered it all. We should have plenty of reaction at the beginning of uh this week and then we'll start looking forward to the Miami game uh, and trying to take this to uh 2 and 0. Absolutely. We'll have uh, Carrie's um, return, the return of upon further review on Monday morning. We'll have Shane's recruit recap uh, and then the press conference on Tuesday and then Victory Bell Week at Paul Brown Stadium, which should be a good time. Lot one, right? Lot one, that's where you're at? Lot one. Lot one. If you want to find Dave, I'll be there at some point in time. Lot one is where you'll find us. But uh, that's going to wrap it up. Bearcats 26 to 17 winners in Chip Kelly's debut. Do you remember Chip Kelly's debut at Oregon? No. Yes, you do. I do? Yeah, you do. It was, an, it was a historic moment in college football history. Uh, what happened? They played Boise State. Oh, yeah, LeGarrette Blunt punched the guy in the face. Because Boise State beat Oregon in Chip Kelly's debut. And he got mad after the game, and he, he punched somebody in the face. <laughs> so Chip Kelly lost his debut at Oregon. He lost his debut at UCLA. 
And uh, the Bearcats come home feeling a hell of a lot better than they did this time last year. What, week, week one last year, they squeaked out a win over a 1AA team? Austin P. I think yeah. it was. Let's go, P. And today they uh, they get to hop on the plane, fly home from Los Angeles, winners against UCLA in the Rose Bowl. They snap a, uh, what, 10-game winning streak for UCLA at the Rose Bowl? They were undefeated there uh, last year. They had a couple wins the year before. I think it was 10. Well, they were six. They were six and zero at home last year, and I yeah. think it was maybe ten years, ten games in a row, non-conference victories at home. Whatever the case may be, they went and did something that was yeah. Whatever impressive. it is, we 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 kicked their ass. And much like you know the win in Pauley Pavilion last year, they're just going to have to. We kind of we, we own UCLA. Let's just put it out there. I mean, right now we own UCLA. They, they should change. The, the city of Pasadena to Clifton. Clifton, California. <laughs> I, I, I did I did have one thought. I did have one thought earlier. Mike Bone's buddy that's the uh AD at UCLA is it's deleting his number. <laughs> Was it Dan Guerrero? Yeah, I think so. Mike Bone's number has been deleted. If Mike Bone texts Dan Guerrero tomorrow, the return text is gonna say new phone who dis? <laughs> and Mike Mike's response would be twenty six seventeen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, we will. Uh, we'll be back either Wednesday or Thursday. You think there's somebody that's going to ask us to be paid to be on the podcast from Oxford next week or this week? I hope. I hope not. I hope so. That was one of the great moments in BCJ podcast history. A guy that was a uh, a. Uh, freelance writer for SB nation. We asked him to be on the podcast to talk about Miami. He said, how much does it pay? <laughs> uh, nothing. It doesn't pay anything. Do you want to do freaking podcast or not? Oh. Yeah. We're not paying you to talk about 15, talk for 15 minutes about a terrible football team. <laughs> we'll be all right without you. I promise. <laughs> all right, man. Have a fun night in Nashville. How's your cigar? You too. Delicious. Delicious. My wife and kid are gone. They they went to a family. Oh, re- so you're you're staying up real late tonight. How about this? My wife and child went to my family reunion while I stayed home. Hey, priorities. Well, one we we didn't have anybody to watch the dog, so one of us had to stay home, and being that like I said priorities. Yeah, well, it, it's not priorities as much as. I have an understanding that my family likes my wife more than they like me. Yeah. So you know your place. Yeah, it was like you go lay out by the pool for a couple days, have a good weekend, and I'll stay home and work and drink beer and do an incoherent podcast at midnight on a Saturday night after UCB UCLA in the Rose Bowl. What the hell? It was fun. I'll be on. uh, I'll be on two channels tomorrow night I, i'm hoping i'll be on at the exact same time that'll be fun yes i will be on sports authority on local 12 and i will also be on sports rock on channel 5 tomorrow night after the news beautiful so you can catch more excited cincinnati bear talk there 
Cincinnati Bearcat talk there. Um, other than that, <laughs> yeah, it's time for me to stop talking. <laughs> hey, Prince Gillum committed too. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. I've only been hitting yeah, Everybody it. can stop worrying about the gifts that I'm tweeting. <laughs> the dude committed in May. You realize how long I've been sitting on this? Yes, uh, I, I know. You know. Of how course long? you know. <laughs> oh, my God. That one took forever. And then everybody was worried yesterday that it wasn't. It was like, he's in California. It's early there. Calm down. Five o'clock there is still pretty damn early. It's going to happen. Relax. Everybody let things play out. But that's the end, mercifully. And, uh, Dave, I will talk to you Wednesday, Thursday. I I invited Zach Edwards onto the podcast. Oh, that sounds good. So I would like to get his thoughts on the, uh, you know, the the change in the program. So hopefully he will join us. And uh, somebody from Miami, if they exist. Does anyone cover Miami football? If I can find anybody. I have a suggestion, but I'll tell you off the air because it. Okay. <laughs> we would go even more off the rails. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you later. See you next time. See ya. It's the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com.